You're listening to Felony Podcast with your host, Dave Dahl, on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. My name is Mark Grimes, co-founder of Startup Radio Network. Also with us in the studio, Dave's partner in crime, Lad Justison. Hey, thanks, Mark. What an introduction. I'm Dave, uh, formerly from Dave's Killer Bread. Yes, I'm that guy. And uh, in the studio today is my pal, I'm supposed to say that, pal, Lad Justison. Lad, tell our listeners today what the hell you've been doing. So how, how much did they pay you to actually say that? To say pal? To say pal. Because I've never, ever called you my pal before. I know. You've called me a lot of things. I haven't been paid pal anything. one of them. I haven't been paid anything. This is a passion for me. Well, you know what? I, I, I just want to rem- remind the listeners that in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a little jam on session here. That we're going to be uh, making up our own little theme song for the show. So uh, that's, what, in about a month? I'm not sure when that's going to be. Um, it's not really that big a deal. I don't know why you're even talking about it, but uh, don't play with me. Dude. Why you got to start off like this every time? Yeah, have you been working hard, dude? I've been working. You know what? I don't even. I work for you, so you should know how <laughs> you much been working hard, hard I work. Trust me, you haven't been working hard enough. <laughs> All right. You been getting laid lately? Um, I don't know. Does humping you considered getting... Oh, man, that's a low blow. No, sorry. All right. Well, anyway, uh, today we have a killer guest, and uh, his name is Frederick Hudson. Not Hudson, but Hudson, H-U-T-S-O-N. He is really an entrepreneur, entrepreneur in the strictest and uh, highest sense, in my opinion. Uh, his first business landed him in prison for close to five years, distributing marijuana through UPS and FedEx. <laughs> I, I've thought of doing stuff like that before. Um, <laughs> I just never got to it. I scared the shit out of me, I think. Uh, the devil is in the details. While behind bars, he decided to build a business plan for when he got the hell out. He spent his time days upon days, months upon months. Remember that? Remember that, lad? I remember that. Yeah, working on an idea uh, by hand, making the plan. And you know what, Dave? One of Frederick's best ideas came from a personal problem, as is the case with so many great startup ideas. It was a pain in the ass for his girlfriend to send him pictures. And Dave, you probably know what kind of pictures she was trying to send him. <laughs> that, we'll that never know. It. And after thinking about it, getting things cooking, he came up with a way to fix this problem. And not just for himself, but for all prisoners. Then you know what happened next, Dave? I'm thinking he got out of jail. Welcome to the Felony Podcast. Fred, Frederick, what, is, uh, how, what can we call you? <laughs> Frederick is fine. <laughs> Frederick, all right, buddy. All right, it's your turn to talk, man. Uh, you know, give us a little rundown of uh, how this all came about. Sure, sure. So, 
Um, my name is Frederick Hudson. I'm the CEO and founder of Pigeonly, P-I-G-E-O-N-L-Y, just like the bird. Um, started started this company um, out of my, you know, out of my own frustration while I was serving time in federal prison for distribution of marijuana. And while I was there, I noticed that there was this huge population of people that no one was paying attention to. And we all had the same problem. It was really expensive and difficult for us to stay in touch and communicate with our loved ones on the outside. So, uh, you know, when I got out, I decided to do something with it, even though I didn't have a background in technology or background in, 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 in building, you know, websites and things like that. You know, I just went for it and, you know, got with my co-founder. We just, you know, jumped all in. I'm kind of curious what, uh, you know, what you did while you're in prison. That's five years. Um, is that right? Five years basically to the day? Yep. Uh, federal prison ain't no joke on the sentencing. Uh, so what what did you, what were you up to in there for those five years? Yeah, so I, at first, I mean, it was it was definitely a culture shock, right? So, you know, I always knew that, you know, what I was doing, you know, had the risk of, of putting me in jail. Um, but, you know, for most part, I felt like, you know, I, it, it probably wouldn't happen. And I also thought, you know, weed is not a big deal. Um, but I didn't factor in, you know, the amount of weed, you know, I started out pretty small, a couple of pounds, couple, a couple of pounds here and there. And before I knew it was, you know, moving a thousand pounds um, a month. So, <laughs> so it grew, it grew real quick. And, 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 you know, you know, when I first, when I, my first day in, it was just, you know, I was in the first time in my life where I was in a situation where I wasn't in control. And I think that was probably the biggest biggest change for me and what biggest adjustment that I had to make is that realizing that, you know, I wasn't in control of when the lights came on. I wasn't in control when the lights went off. I wasn't control when child time would be and, and count time and all those things. And, you know, that was probably the biggest shock. But once I got into my routine and got into my plan and started my programming and, you know, my workout plan and, and reading and, you know, got you know, I started to adjust and that's, you know, the first time I saw and, you know, the human's ability to adjust in any circumstance or position that we're in. That sounds real familiar, doesn't it, lad? It does. Uh, you know, Frederick, um, before you went to prison on this charge, had you experienced uh, going to jail or anything before that? No, no. This is actually my first go around. It's my first rodeo. What town did you uh, originate in there? What town did you come <laughs> from? <clears throat> oh, yeah. I was, I was born in um, Brooklyn, New York. I was raised down south in St. Petersburg, Florida. But when I was indicted, um, I was in living in Las Vegas at a time. So um, I got the opportunity to ride Con Air first class. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that great. But yeah, so. <laughs> I know what you mean. I've, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Frederick. Look, I, I got a question for you because believe it or sure. not, um, I have a friend that is uh, incarcerated at this moment, and you know. They call and, you know, I talk to them on the phone and stuff. So why don't you explain this little app you got going? Because I'm kind of interested in myself. Sure. So basically what we do um, is that our platform makes it easy for people to search, find and connect with their loved ones through one or all of our six products. So it's basically a subscription service. Um, we have a telephone product that helps people save money on expensive prison phone calls. So it works very similar to a Google Voice or Skype. Um, where you would sign up and <clears throat> our system will, will give you a telephone number that would allow your inmate to call you for the cheapest rate possible. Um, so in federal prison, it's the difference between paying 300 minutes, I mean, I'm sorry, $70 for your 300 minutes that you're allowed to talk um, to paying, you know, the $18, you know, if you can get all your calls for the six cents a minute. So, um, so it's a pretty 
big significant price difference um, as far as what the phone calls. And then we have five uh, fulfillment based products, which is our photos, greeting cards, letters, postcards, and then articles. So basically what you can do is you can just upload any photos you would like to send and then those photos are automatically printed, shipped, um, and mailed um, to your loved one. They'll actually get the 4 by 6 prints in the mail. So it just really makes it easy for all of us who live in a digital world to communicate with a population that lives mostly in an analog world. I think that's, uh, you know, that's amazing. It's genius. Um, I, I didn't quite understand through all my research how you would do the uh, phone plan, but I did. I definitely understood the rest. Um, how how is the how does the phone thing work? Yeah, so um, basically the problem that the phone product addresses is that, for example, um, depending on where you're serving your time, um, there's usually a price um, difference between local calls and long distance calls. Sometimes it's cheaper to call local to the facility. Sometimes it's more expensive to call local, and sometimes it's cheaper to call long distance. So basically, um, we're collecting the data of every prison in the country. It's about 17,500 facilities in the country. Um, and we're collecting all the data to figure out um, what is the cheapest way to make a call from that facility so that when your loved one calls home, he dials a pigeon lead number and then we then forward or connect that call from that pigeon lead number to the customer's existing cell phone or landline. So um, in doing that, we can route the call the cheapest way possible. So um, depending on where someone is, so for example, if someone's serving time in San Quentin, um, they're, they're Los Angeles, it costs twice as much. So we route that call through, um, route that call through a number that's local to San Quentin. You know, it can cut their phone fees as much as 60, 70 percent. Well, you're putting some greedy bastards out of uh, business here because I I know that the uh, it used to be pretty, pretty tough went back in the day to have a phone call. It was tough on the people that were paying for it. Um, remember that, lad? I do. You know, and um, sending pictures and, and, and stuff like that now, you know, that's, uh, you know, they have a birthday or you have, you know, some kind of a, an occasion going on. Um, just be, to be able to take a picture and send it to your loved one at that moment, uh, what a blessing that is. Yeah, and I, I never got mail, man. I'm telling you, never. I bet you I would have got a little bit more mail if I had to, if this was available. So, um, right. Now, I wanted to. And that's, and that's, the, big, that's the big thing is. You know, it's really hard for people to send, type, sit down and write a letter. It's really difficult. It takes a lot of time and effort. But if you can make it easy as someone sending a Facebook message or make it as easy as someone sending a text message, then people re are, you know, stay in touch all the time when you make it that easy. And that's really what our goal was. Uh, man, that's not only great uh, market comprehension uh, and solving problems marketing wise you're you're a great marketer I would say have you done this with anything else I'm just curious you, this keeps uh, you busy enough Robert yeah no this is this is really you know um, my, my first legitimate business outside of you know my marijuana distribution uh, enterprise uh, was a window tinting shop um, that I started um, when I was 19, and basically it was we would just do window tinting on vehicles and commercial buildings and residential locations, and um, that was my first time actually really starting a business. And um, I think for me, I just always am looking for um, you know different problems in the marketplace and figuring out you know is there a way that I can make something more efficient? Is there a way that I can make something cheaper, faster, better? And that's kind of what what I'm always interested in, and you know. 
you know, prison is a place that is just full of inefficiencies. And, you know, there's there's a there's a lot of area for improvement and a lot of ways that technology can disrupt, you know, you know, the way things are set up. It's amazing because the way I remember it is that, you know, efficiencies would not be welcome. Uh, where I was at. That was like uh, somebody was going to lose their job if it got too efficient. Um, right. You know, but I, I think that's great progress for the system if that's, if that's happening. Um, you know, Lad had a, Lad's only successful business was a Kool-Aid stand when he was 15. That's right. Yeah. Dave, Dave, was, Dave was my only customer, but luckily enough he didn't drink it because, you know... Wow. Wow. Did you just flush the toilet, lad? I did. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, okay, so I got some questions to ask you, man. Uh, First of all, I never got a chance to really, you know, you never got a chance to finish your story about what happened. That's five years. What did you do with those five years? Yeah, so I really spent my time really planning um, for my release. And, you know, the last thing I wanted to do was be dependent on someone for a opportunity because I knew, you know, while I was in prison, you know, that was during the time where they were doing the big bank bailouts and it was the big um, recession going on. So the last thing I wanted was to have to be relying on someone to give me an opportunity. So I knew I wanted to create my own. Um, so I would read all the information I can get a hold of. I would, uh, I would, um, you know, get books and the magazines by the time sometimes you would get the magazine pages to be cut out or missing and you know you would piece together what you think (laughs) the people are trying to say and i just spent a lot of time just consuming and just trying to educate myself and then luckily in federal prison you know you're you're doing your time with people from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds and i would find the white collar guys and say hey you know teach me how to how to do a business model teach me how to write a business plan and you know they had just as much time as i had so they had plenty that was really open to teach and you know that's how i just started learning from the people around me and you know some of the most brilliant people that that i that i've met were actually in prison and and you know a lot of people were really open to teach me you know how to think through and how to you know come up with a really solid business plan and just teaching the method of how to think through what you're trying to do so that you can actually build something that you can execute you know that's uh there's a lot of great lessons in all of that uh one of the lessons is is about you know don't waste your time blaming the system or being pissed off about why you're in there and all that stuff. Um, just be accountable and start moving forward whatever it takes to do to, to get to the next level. So what you did is you found the right guys to hang out with and uh, you also were the right guy to hang out with um, because you were going somewhere. You weren't, you weren't being slapped down. You probably didn't spend all your time playing cards uh, things like that you you had other th- better things to do uh, including right. wor- wor- Absolutely. working out was part of that it was for us too um you know but a lot of times guys worked out and that was the only thing they did you know and right. uh, you were somebody who was enterprising from pretty much the gate as soon as you figured out that you could do it you did it um and and you met met the right people and you also probably discovered at that time that those guys uh, were giving back. You know, they were they enjoyed the process of helping you to um, understand, and and you know they got excited about being a part of that, and and that's what giving back is about. Have you? Um, how do you feel about that? No, I, I absolutely agree, and you know I think you know it's 
it's, you know, for me, you know, throughout this process, uh, you know, I can think of a lot of people who's been very instrumental in helping us build what we built. Because now today we have, you know, 20 full-time employees. So we're still a fairly small company. Um, but, you know, we've raised a little over $5 million in venture capital. Um, and, you know, we have some of the top VCs, you know, and, you know, that's extremely hard. So, for example, for what, for what our company represents is, you know, it's only 1% of uh, black founders that, that have raised venture capital. So I've been a very, very small group of people um, that have been able to do what we've done. And that's because of the support that we've had from, you know, people that were just like you said, giving back, you know, from the guys that, you know, uh, that, that was in prison with me kind of, you know, helping me think through, you know, all the things I would have to think about and, and plan for to once I was released to the people who was willing to give me a second shot. And, you know, despite my record or despite my background and, and at least give me the opportunity to hear what I had to say, you did know, you, all did, those people, you know, you know, just really made a huge impact. Did you get help from the street uh, as far as like venture capitalists out there that were interested in what you're doing or was that... Because I've seen I've seen programs where that happens. Uh, say San Quentin has great programs. They have uh, education for lots of people, really meaningful education. Plus, they have uh, something called the Last Mile, where uh, yep. venture yep. capitalists um, help you know get these guys ready to have their own businesses. Did you have yeah, anything yeah, like that? With, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with the last mile. I know Chris Redlitz um, pretty well. Yeah, he's cool. Um, but yeah, so uh, no, no, I didn't. I didn't do any of those programs. Um, but you know, when I did, when I was released, I signed up for an accelerator program called the New Me Accelerator, and and basically what what they focus on is helping um, um, Latino and and minority and women founders, you know, you know, get their businesses off the ground. So that was my first introduction into the technology ecosystem and, and building those relationships. And, you know, it was from that, that people started to, you know, hear my story. And, and, you know, by the time we got there, we had already had a business running. So we already had customers. We already were at the time, we didn't have the phone service at the time. We only had photos, um, but we already had something running and, you know, people was really impressed that, you know, for usually they're used to getting pitched, um, companies that were just idea stage and they actually hadn't built anything but you know when they talked to us we already knew and understood our business so well and we had the the customers prove that you know we did have something real you know it made all the difference in the world you know you know as we were you know going through that process yeah not everybody has good ideas i mean not everybody can be an entrepreneur some people can be but you know everyone can can make a difference everybody can do a good job working for someone else if necessary uh be the best they can be you know but you had you're a guy who actually saw a really important need and and you've solved the problem and that is an entrepreneur hey dave you know what there's uh another company that uh, actually uh, makes a difference. Really? It's kind of time to plug them, so let me do that real quick. And uh, they're called CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Customers decide the value to them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. From the, Find them at cpadudes.com slash startupradio. Wow, that's really good. I, uh, lad, you read pretty good. Yeah. Not bad, huh? Yeah. Um, what do you think about that, Frederick? Did I do all right on that? Yeah, <laughs> that was excellent. <laughs> lad actually did 20 years in prison straight. Um, for, wow. Yeah. Um, he was like, uh, what was it, sodomy by receiving? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I apologize for that, Dave. I'm sorry. I, you know, I've had bad dreams about That's that. Enough. I'm sorry. It's enough. I've had enough of you. All right, where were we, Frederick? Uh, you had some more to say, I think, on the subject. Well, you know, Dave, I have a question. Okay. Okay, so, so I don't know, Frederick, if you did any research on Dave and Dave's Kill of Bread. But when, oh, absolutely, of course. You're you a legend out here, man. So here's the thing about Dave that was really impressive. And I noticed that on the interview that I read um, that you're doing kind of the same thing, is that you're giving back by hiring ex-felons. Can you tell us, right. a, little, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I think for for us it was very natural. So you know, when we when we first started building our team, you know, people would apply, and you know, and and Dave, you might be able to relate to this. You know, you're sitting across the table, you, you can tell, the right you tell somebody who's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely have to pick the right people, and and you you know, I could tell talking to someone, or you know, they maybe they covered up cover up enough tattoos if they did time before, and and they they would try to They're hide changed. it, right? So I'm like, yo, yeah. like this is this is really. I said that's a plus if you can tell me that you've been in prison. That's a plus. That that'll put you to the front of the line as far as I'm concerned. So, and what what I oh, what I've learned is, is that that um you know people although a lot of businesses you know they're apprehensive to to hire someone who's who's previously incarcerated you know i think i personally i think the risk is a lot lower so you have a lot of times where people would you know they don't have a lot of opportunities to begin with so when they do have an opportunity they really treat that and and cherish that opportunity and, and for the most part cultivate it so i've seen you know for us you know the previously incarcerated have been you know low higher performers um than the non right and and what we've also seen is that you know the level of loyalty and the, the, some of the principles of how you know what that that things run in prisons you know kind of translate to the outside and and you know for us it was just great to be able to work with people and hire people that really understood the problem that we were solving from an intimate level and really understood the need and what it felt like um, to be in a customer's position or a family member that was in a customer's in our customer's position. So <clears throat> for us, it was perfect. It was just very natural. And about half of our half of our employee base um, is previously incarcerated from every department, from the engineering department. You know, our VP of engineering, you know, he did time in Florida all the way throughout, you know, to our director of customer service. So um, every department. And, you know, for us, it's really been our um, uh, uh, competitive advantage, honestly. Oh, yeah. You know, that is such a great principle. It's another lesson for us to learn as entrepreneurs and as people. Um, you know, in my case and in your case, we we turned our, our you know, we turned our, our depths of despair, in my case, depths of despair into something, uh, transformation. And right. um, I see people transforming and there's plenty of good people to pick from. Uh, it's a great pool of ex-felons and others, you know, say homeless people, other disadvantaged people who are like ready. They're ready for this opportunity. I haven't really, I don't remember ever hearing anybody say what you just told me other than myself, but uh, I think that's pretty pretty amazing. And it's it's so true that you you need to look for those people. I mean, I, in my case, it was pick the best person for the job. It didn't happen, you know, it wasn't like, oh, let's go hire some ex-felons. No, it was just, who's the right person? Um, who's, who's a good candidate here? And at first, I made quite a few right. mistakes because I was kind of hiring buddies and stuff, you know, instead of right, 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 instead of hiring the right people. And eventually, you learn um, if you if you want to be successful, you you choose the ones who have done their, you know, 
the have gotten themselves ready. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know. Um, you know, Frederick, one thing that uh, me and Dave were talking about a little bit uh, before we started the, the podcast is that one of the things that we thought was kind of funny was that in the article I read, um, it talks about how you were you snuck a, you know your cell phone in and uh, was able to use that while you're in. <laughs> we thought that was kind of funny, and we, we were kind of yeah. we were kind of theorizing well, on how exactly you snuck yeah. that in. You know, well, Lad's got a lot of experience with that, but uh, anyway, it's, it, it's Lad. Yeah, probably. so you know, in the in the in the uh, in the halfway house, you know, they had a bunch of stupid rules, right? So it was these dumbass rule where, where you know, you're, you're so now you, you've gotten out of jail, but you're still not quite free. You're, you're you have to do the halfway house where you have to be in at a certain time, and you're going to leave to go to work. Um, but you're supposed to, you're expected to go out and find work, but they don't give you computers or there's no computer access and there's no cell phone access. So if you was to get, you know, if you was to go out and get a job and they needed to call you for an interview, I mean, what number are you supposed to give them? You're supposed to, they're supposed to write you a letter. I mean, it's just, it's just fucking stupid. So, um, what I did was, you know, you have that little, you know, you have that little flap in your, in your, in your boxers. I used to. And that's to bring it in. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, that's how I, used to, then I would be inside the app. And once they would lock us in for the night, you know, that's where I would make all my calls. And that's where I would do my emails. How the hell do you build a technology company? Because, because I didn't have any background in it. And nor did I, you know, know exactly what to do. So, um, but I did know what I did not know. So, that's I mean, it. I was searching and and just looking for those answers and looking for the support to try to fill the gaps in what I didn't know. I knew the market well. I knew the problem well. Um, I knew what I wanted to make for the solution, but the how to execute that and how to actually do that, you know, that's what I did not know. And, you know, I turned to Google and, you know, I got through it. Anybody who's listening to this really should be paying attention here. This is... This guy did a lot, did all the things necessary. One of the things is being humble enough, you know, uh, wise and humble enough to say, hey, I don't know how to do this, but um, let's get some smart people. Let's get some people who are smarter in this area than I am. And uh, in Dave's Killer Bread, we had to do the same thing. And usually, you know, you always have to. Um, and you just do what you got to do. You got to like smuggle a, a cell phone, or you know, occasionally, you know, if somebody gets in your way, you, you knock somebody off. I mean, whatever you got to do. <laughs> right, <man? laughs> yeah, we were, we were thinking about knocking off our sound guy, you know, but uh, we're gonna let him go for you, another day. What do you say, Alan? Is that okay? I don't think you all could do anything without me at this point. So I'd be real surprised. <laughs> no, we've been watching. We've been watching your every move, buddy. We, That's what I hear. We got this figured out <laughs> all right so we're enterprising ex-cons that's us <laughs> okay so um, let me ask you let me get back to asking you some some real questions um, now how how do you think okay there's got to be some fear with an entrepreneur there's got to be fears so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you do you have any you know reasonable fears uh, logical uh, you know, rational fears uh, going forward. Do you do you think you could fuck this up somehow? Yeah, yeah, of course, man. I mean, I, I mean, we don't we don't have enough time to talk about all my fuck ups and building this business, right? We we definitely don't have enough time. So, but, but what but would fuck say, up the business for good, maybe? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think for, for me, one of my number one fears is that have always been is is running out of time. If that makes sense. So, um, I, I, you know, after you know, even 
even though I didn't do nearly the amount of time that, that you did, you know, I, it was for me, it was just, it was, I felt like I lost a big chunk of that my life. That's a good and, chunk. That's a good chunk. Yeah. And, and I, I, I felt like, you know, because of that amount of time that I missed, I've always been like running, trying to catch up. So it's almost like I'm on, I feel like I'm on a treadmill and I'm just trying to run as fast as I can and try to catch up and make a fall of the missed time. And, you know, my biggest fear every, every morning is, is not being able to accomplish enough fast enough. And, and sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. The parts where it's bad is, you know, you know, maybe not thinking through, uh, you know, a different decision, all the different variables as, as long as I should before I enact or, Impulsiveness. or, you know, yeah. And then sometimes where it works out good, where, you know, you make a decision quickly and, you know, your, your business survives another day because every day it's a new challenge is a new list of challenges that you have to deal with there's a new there's a whole new list of things that you have to figure out to get to the next day and that's just for me what it's been a series of of, of problems just to address every single day you know during this we've been at it you know for five years now so um you know but you know a lot of the investments and a lot of the things that we've done i'm starting to see a lot of that stuff pay off and there was a good little period of time where you really didn't see the results of the decisions that you've made you know right away you know it takes it takes a lot faster you know legitimate money is a lot slower than than drug money right yeah. so yeah yeah you're doing you're doing things you know for two years a year three years before and then on the fourth year you start you know say oh you know now now you know we're growing customers twice as fast and it's because of some decision that we made a year ago so it's, it's things like that that you know that that i've been learning and you know as far as my that that's i would say that would be my number one fear is that fast enough and, and that i'm not moving fast enough i could tell you that uh you know it's from experience it's way worth doing it the right way um i spent so many years I was I was floundering around. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, you know, being a druggie. I, but I was, you know, I had a little different story than you, obviously. But it's similar in the in the fact that we were both into instant gratification, and that's usually the case with uh, with most felons. And when they get out, they, uh, you know, everybody's like that to a degree. But uh, when when a felon gets out of prison. Um, are they ready to do the work that's necessary uh, without right. their instant reward? Right. And, and you, you obviously have that concept. Um, you know, you grasp that concept in a big way. Uh, and then there's times that, oh my God, uh, it's stressful, and you maybe make a wrong decision. I mean, that's that's part of the whole process. Sometimes you do because you have to make them on the fly sometimes, and. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. On that subject, if you had a little bit more time, I bet you don't you don't feel like you have a ton of time every day, right? Extra time. Yeah, not at all. I mean, it's always there's always something to do. A lot of times, you know, you'll you'll, you'll be with friends or family, and they'll they won't understand, you know, how you could possibly be as busy as you are to be as time strapped as, as you may be um because you know a lot of times unless you've actually built a business and or you run a business you don't necessarily understand that there's always something asking for your attention there's always something that you can be working on there's always something so you know i don't necessarily have you know what what people refer to as work-life balance i probably should um but you know entrepreneurs usually you know, don't yeah yeah so that's that's really you know that's really what my life is like so um but i do try to you know squeeze in time for myself you know and that's usually in the mornings you know I, I work out in the mornings and you know those are those are some of the habits that you know i picked up inside that i've you know continued on the outside um it was kind of hard it's a lot more distracting um to try to you know maintain that you maintain that regimen but you know it's kind of been it, areas for me to it contributes uh, to 
Well, it can, I think it actually, you know, working out, things like that, self-care, uh, the more that you do that, the the better your day is going to be, and uh, the more capable you're probably going to be of accomplishing what you want to want to accomplish. Uh, right. But I but I was like that too, very unbalanced. Uh, probably worse than you because I'm just more unbalanced than most people. But <laughs> um, <laughs> I used to I used to have uh, people who cared about me say, "Hey, Dave, when are you going to get some balance?" I'm like. Phew. Balance. Who's got time for balance? Um, right. That was my deal, and you know, I mean, I was successful because I wasn't balanced. But uh, you know, I, I can't say that's necessarily you know the way to go. I just know that that's what it was for me. Right. Um, right. No, I, feel, I feel the same way. Yeah. Uh, so, are we ready? Oh, here we go. The second, our second fake commercial. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Pork bun domains, websites, and internet commerce for the rest of us. Don't be a goddamn pig. Pork bun, <laughs> where you can get website domain names for your business or personal brand with the lowest prices and amazing free services, lad. Yeah, everyone's heard of .com, .net, or .org. But did you know you can get a domain name that matches what your startup does? If you are a design entrepreneur, you could get a, a dot .design domain, domain name. That was a hard one yeah, to say. Yeah, a tough one. Use your imagination and contact them at porkbun.com slash startup radio. Right on. Okay. Isn't isn't that a nickname I used to call you, Pork Bun? I, big, I think it was Big Pork Daddy or something. Oh, like that. that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> so you were talking about business accelerating, uh, acceleration. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So um, when when while I was in the halfway house, um, I was watching this uh, the CNN special called um, the the New Frontier. It was talking about um, Silicon Valley and you know, the technology ecosystem. And they were talking about, in this episode, they were particularly talking about accelerators. And, you know, they did this whole hour-long special on Accelerator called the New Me Accelerator. And, you know, that was my first time being introduced to the idea that, you know, there's these these organizations that basically whole purpose is to work with um, founders to kind of help them get their ideas off the ground, help them figure out how to package the idea the right way for the market and things like that. So, um, Can you tell us, went. is there a difference between uh, accelerating and uh, uh, incubating? They're, they're basically the same? No, they're, they're, they're the same thing. Same thing, different names. They do the same. They serve the same process, um, uh, the same purpose. Um, yeah, so there, there's basically was this incubator, and and that's what that's like what it is. So I started applying at all of them. So you know the top ones are like Y Combinator in San Francisco. Then you have TechStar, TechStars, which has a bunch of locations all over um, the country. Um, and then the small one, New Me Accelerator. So we applied, and you know because of the business that we were building, and and because I don't really fit the traditional, you know what founders look like on the background. You know I didn't I didn't I don't have any formal education outside of high um, outside of high school. So, you know, because I didn't really fit the mold, a lot of companies and a lot of the accelerators didn't accept us. Dream and the club. only one that did was the new me accelerator. And, you know, that's kind of after that pro after that 12 week program, we ended up raising our first million dollars of seed capital afterwards because, you know, we essentially had a very strong business, even though a lot of people overlooked us at first. That's freaking amazing. I, I hope uh, there's a lot of 
felons in prison and ex-cons and, and just people in general that are listening to this and realize, and getting the inspiration because this is exactly how to approach um, this, an endeavor like this. I, I can't imagine a better story for, for as an example. Um, what what are your metrics? What are your key metrics for success in the next say six to twelve months? Is that a good number for you? Six to twelve? Yeah, yeah. Metrics as far as the business or just in general? Um, I would say the business. And if you have if you have personal metrics or other metrics you want to talk about, you're welcome to. Sure. So so for me, uh, for business right now, is we we basically just expanded our platform to cover all the state and county. So when we started, because I was in federal prison. You know, I was more intimate with that process, and I really understood that really well. So we first built our platform to cover all the federal prisons in the U.S., which is a pretty small, you know, population. You know, federal prisons only make up, you know, about 10% of the total um, the population. population. Mm. Yeah, so so it was pretty small. Um, but, you know, that's where we really, that was like our testing ground to make sure we had our product right, make sure it worked well. Um, so over the past six months, we expanded to um, state um, and county, all those facilities, and basically... The underlying technology that we have that really powers our platform is we basically built um, a database that searches and organizes all the public records of, of who's in prison and where so that when mom shows up at our website, she can put in John Smith and when she can search and find her John that she's looking for. And then, you know, we handle the address, we handle all the rules and all that stuff. So all she has to do is hit the send button on photos and she doesn't have to think about anything else. Or yeah. she can just hit the phone button and receive calls and she doesn't think about anything else. So um, so that just was a lot of work for us to really make our platform support all the different prisons, all the different rules. And it's just a lot of nuance that goes into that. Uh, so now that that's done, our focus now is just really expanding, um, you know, our subscribership, um, you know, across the country and, you know, getting more family members. Because our customers are always the family members, you know, getting more family members to, you know, know about this low cost option to stay in touch. Because... One of the things that I saw is even while I was there, I would see the people that could afford to, you know, stay in touch and maintain those relationships with the people on the outside. Um, those were the people that had stronger and was less likely to return. You know, if you if you had that person that you can call on and say, hey, help you find your first job or that person that can give you a couch to sleep on until you kind of get on your feet and, you know, maintain those relationships on the outside. But, you know, the way the industry is set up, it, it makes it it's very counterproductive where they make those they make it very expensive to maintain those relationships. And it turns into a huge financial burden um, on your friends and family members and whoever your support network may be. So for us, it was really about, you know, how can we make that, how can we, you know, make that barrier very low and, and make it very cheap so that people could, could stay in touch for less. So for us, the success metrics, um, you know, it's tied directly to that. So the amount of people we can impact, that we so people about $4 million a year. And that's the key metric that, you know, we're trying to increase um, every month. Um, and then... Um, on the personal side, what I just how I just view success is is just the amount of people that I can impact. So I know that the more people that my impact, um, the more um, good that I do, I can do well at the same time. Because I don't think doing well and doing good is mutually exclusive. That's fantastic, man. That is exactly um, I, I. You're a man after my own heart, or before I don't know. Uh, but it, this is it's exactly how I feel when it comes to my personal side. I, it, to me, you can't really separate. I can't separate my business from my personal. They, they're intertwined. Um, but to me, business is something that you're passionate about and you're passionate for a reason. Um, in your case, 
I can say, or I just talk from my case. Uh, I was passionate about my product. I was passionate about, uh, you know, the people. I was passionate about the way that I was doing business and uh, social consciousness that I had. Um, all that was great. I mean, giving back to people was just natural. And it, uh, <laughs> you know what it was? I figured this out last night of all times. I was thinking about this and I go, what was it that um, made me, uh, that all of a sudden made giving back um, cool and, and, and something I was excited about? Well, okay, I didn't have anything to give back before. You know, when you don't have anything to give back, you can't get passionate about giving back. But right, right, right. <laughs> it's like I, I had a story. I had a my story didn't matter until it did, you know. And and all that stuff is it, it's so great to be able to you know be a teacher or be a uh, inspirer. And you're one of those guys. Uh, you've no, you've you. experienced some cool stuff. You've you've made it happen. Uh, you found something inside you that got you through. And not only that, but I bet you may have experienced freedom in prison. You know, Frederick, yeah, um, I got a question for you. You know, um, sure. so you started this up. You made a difference. You got, you got, um, um, you know, all these people that are connected now with their families and whatever. Um, how many times have you heard from these people saying, hey, look, you know what? You made a difference in my life. Yo, that's those one of the the, the best the, the best things about what we do is that we get that a lot. Like we get that every day. Where um, we'll see, you know, we get it two ways. We'll have a bug on our software that will make our phone system not work for like twenty minutes or something like that, and our phones will light up. Everyone is calling us. Yo, what the hell y'all doing? And you know, that's the first thing <laughs> that remind us the impact that we make and how much people actually re rely on what we do, right? And rely on us to always work. It's kind of like. You know, if you try to go on Google and Google wasn't there, you know, you'd be like, what the hell's going on? So, you know, that's 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 one part of it. The other part of it is, you know, we have, you know, a lot of people that send us emails and and will, you know, send us, you know, call in because give customer service. We call it props. Uh, and, you know, we're always seeing stuff come through on our prop channel when people are just giving us shout outs and saying how much they appreciate the service and, you know, how it works and how, you know, simplifies their life, simplifies their money and. And, you know, we have customers in 88 different countries now. So, you know, we have people as far as Australia and, 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 and all over the UK that, you know, all communicating with their loved one here in the U.S. And, you know, it just, it just makes it, if this didn't exist, it would be extremely expensive and, and not really practical for them to do so. Right on. Well, um, so th this is something you kind of get up and you're excited about every day, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I know exactly how that feels. And uh, you know what? Okay, you know I have a question right here. This is from a caller who doesn't exist. This, this okay. person, if there was a caller, this is what he would say. All right. <laughs> yeah. What are the uh, current and okay? Why would somebody ask this question? What do you think? Um, what were your barriers? That's a great one. This is a better caller. He says. What were the barriers to entry in this market? I know you've you've touched on that a little bit, but uh, my, I personally wonder about barriers like, uh, for instance, the DOC and the, the powers that be, the establishment. You know, um, the the people who are making a lot of money from these inmates. 
you know, from, from on the backs of these inmates. Uh, right. You know, how did you get through all that? And how are you yeah. getting through it? Yeah, I think I think the old the old saying is actually true. The enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? So um, the 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 prisons are usually those are, those are not the bad guys. So the prisons, you know, they don't they don't know anything about you know the products and services. They literally outsource everything, right? So there's all these other third party companies that really control um, things, and then of the things that they do, you know, the prison is happy to get whatever revenue share that they can get out of that that can fund. Um, you know, help, you know, fund their budgets and, you know, these cash strapped municipalities, you know, they're just looking for anyone who can take the the, the burden of whatever pro, uh, needs that need to be met and, you know, share a upside with them so they can, you know, fund their salaries and fund the, the, the reentry projects and, you know, all the things that, you know, tax dollars doesn't necessarily cover. Um, so for us, it was really like, you know, we can we're, we're not going to change anything that you guys have set up. You know, we'll sit on top of the existing infrastructure that you guys have. So our phone calls work on the same phone system that you guys already have. They're just dialing a pigeon number versus dialing the family members number direct. Um, as far as, uh, you know, the letters and postcards and photos, those are going to get delivered and go through the mailroom just like any other piece of mail. But it's just that, you know, our users sent this from a cell phone instead of, you know, going to Walgreens and printing out photos and mailing it themselves. So. Um, we're, we're, we've made it just easier for the person on the outside and cheaper for the person on the outside that's going through the same infrastructure at place. And, you know, one that's from the feedback we get from institutions is that, you know, the more connected population is a happier population. You know, a guy is less likely to be in a bad mood when he can get his, you know, name called that mail call from, you know, let his, his girl let him know that he's thinking about him or, you know, get something from his kids or from his mother or whoever. So, you know, for them, it's it's uh, it's been a benefit so you know they don't necessarily always have the best relationships with the service providers um so which has allowed us the opportunity to provide something that is substantially better than what exists um and be able to have their support so you know you're you're actually making people's time a little better and that might piss off Absolutely. some people who don't want people's time to be better <clears throat> Right. And, right. and I think, you know, that's a great that's a great point. And, you know, we so usually when I talk about this, you know, you split the room. People have everyone has different opinions about who's in jail. And even us, you know, we have different views of the type of inmates we want to be doing time with. Right. That's so, right. At the, <laughs> but, you know, just, just to keep it all the way real. So um, the I, I would say this, though, regardless of how you feel about someone in prison, what it comes down to is is majority of people in there do not have life sentences so that means that they're going to be at a one time at some point in time in the future so the real question is regardless of how you feel about it whether you like it love it or hate it you really have to think about what type of person you want to release because then that becomes everybody's problem so for me it's 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 about releasing someone who's highly connected with their with their support network that they have the good shot of being a productive member of society so that i don't necessarily have to have to you know bear that social burden um that we all have to bear whether it be through your tax dollars or whether it be crime in your neighborhood or whatever the case may be so you know that's really my answer to that is that you know you don't really, it really doesn't matter how you feel about who's in jail the fact is that you have to think about is you know, they're going to get out and what type of person you want to get out i'd rather have a person to release that has highly um has very strong community ties and has you know ties to his support network of family friends that are going to at least be there to support him because i don't want that burden to fall on my shoulders you know i'd rather his family members have that burden well, you've got no argument from me uh it's more of a rhetorical question from this uh from this caller that we didn't get um so i would like to well you know 
What kind of mistakes do you think you made along the way that uh, you would say that uh, mistakes that you know just boneheaded mistakes, or was there just you know the natural trial and error type mistakes? And how did you get through? Because nobody nobody does this stuff without some minor failures, if not major ones. Yeah, I would say for me, the, the one of the biggest mistakes have been around um, team building a team. And, you know, I think that's probably the single largest risk in building any kind of business because you can't do it by yourself. So first you think you can do it by yourself and then you quickly realize that you can't do it by yourself. And then once you realize you can't do it by yourself, you usually start hiring people that's closest to you and around you, which usually almost never works out. And then you um, have to really just learn how to build a team. And usually that's after spending lots of money, you know, bringing people on and having to let them go and hiring and firing is very expensive. Um, it can be really taxing on the culture of the company as well. So I think that's probably, you know, probably the biggest mistakes is at first when we first got our funding, you know, I just thought I need to fill every seat in the house and we really wasn't doing anything better. We really wasn't doing anything more efficient, efficiently. We wasn't, you know, reaching out our market more. We wasn't actually performing better just because we had more people. So I really had to, you know, be, sit down and figure out, you know, make specific job descriptions for roles and make roles that was necessary for the business to, to be successful and not necessarily build roles out for people. So what I was doing at first was I would see a person and I'll try to create a role for that person. And what I learned is I need to take a step back and look at the business, what the business needs are based on where we want to go, not necessarily where we were, and then create roles of what it was necessary to get to where I wanted to go to and then find a best person to fit that role and not vice versa. Um, so, you know, that's been my experience as far as like probably the biggest mistakes I've made. So you build or buy the bus and then um, you not you don't you don't say, OK, you sit here and I'll make a job for you. Um, uh, I'll, I'll make it work for you. It's kind of like uh, you figure out what's needed for your company, and then you go from, you go exactly. from there down. Uh, exactly, and that's exactly. crucial. Yeah, I mean, you can't let uh, people's strengths and weaknesses basically run your company because uh, right. that could drag you down. Or maybe, uh, yeah, I don't know if this is what you've done, but sometimes one solution for that would be to send someone to. Uh, to some training or education, get some education that's going to help them be more suitable for what you need them to do. That's an example. Right. Um, yeah, we have done that. We definitely have. Cool. So, what kind of jobs do your employees do? Uh, what is? I mean, what what does yeah, it entail? Yeah, so we have um, so we have our customer service department, which is our largest department, and they you know field all the phone calls and emails and online chats, and they really are the you know the first contact that we have a lot of times with our customers with our customers in general, um, whether it be you know technical um, questions or issues of you know how to use the product or or just general questions on how stuff works. Um, so you know that's a fairly large department for us, and then. Um, and you know the skill sets there is just you know you know just people skills really that was that's probably the strongest skill set that you need for any customer service job. Um, and then we have our marketing department, um, which you know runs all of our online marketing, offline marketing, um, you know community management, you know on social media and things like that. And then we have uh, um, our engineering team, which they do all the development, software development for the actual products, because all of our stuff just, you know, is, is online based and web based. So it's all the product is it's, it's heavy on the software side. Um, we have, you know, on the front end, it looks very simple, but there's a lot of sophisticated things happening in the background. Um, and then finally, 
the last department is our fulfillment team and our fulfillment department. They run the actual equipment that print the photos, ship the photos, package the photos, whether it's letters, greeting cards, you know, whatever that is. And, you know, that's something that's running 24-7 because, um, you know, we're shipping, you know, three to 4,000, you know, orders a day. So there's a lot of volume and all over the country. Um, so that's a that's a big part of it as well. So that pretty much makes up, you know, our team dynamic. And then, we, of course, we have designers and, and you know, you know, for all the designing for the website itself and, you know, any marketing materials we do. So, um, yeah, so that's pretty much makes up the team. So you uh, have just one one website and it's pigeonly.com or do you have, is, is that right, pigeonly.com? Yep, yep, pigeonly.com. Yeah, it's just one website. Okay, one website, but you focus entirely on that one website, which is great. Um, you mentioned social media, which obviously is a huge deal these days. Anyone who doesn't do social media must be out of touch. So what kind of social media do you do and what's your strategy there? Yeah, so we have um, we have uh, um, uh, Instagram and Facebook, and the strategy there is really just to connect with our user wherever they may be. And um, you know, a lot of that is is just you know the content that we put out. We share a lot of stories on our Twitter and our Instagram, and you know, um, inspiring stories about the population. I think for me too, it's really big about showing this population in a different light and not really feeding into the stereotypes. Um, and, you know, because there's a lot of stuff going on that, 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 that resonates with the community that people, you know, may not see or they just think, you know, when they think of people in jail, they might think of, you know, CNBC lock up. Well, yeah, that's one yeah. part of it, but that's not, that's not the whole thing either, right? So That's the you know, stuff that makes it on TV because it's, uh, you know, <laughs> exactly. it's dramatic. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. So, you know, for us, you know, we're showing a different line and then we're appealing to the family members. So we're, we're really appealing to the family members and the support networks and, you know, letting them see that we understand what they're going through and we're here to support them through that and we're here to ease that burden in, in a small way that we can but in a meaningful way as well right on uh you know we already touched a little bit about what your your metrics and things are um is there can we talk a little bit about what what you think is going the longer term the the future your future and uh the future of the company Whatever you want to yeah, talk absolutely. about. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, <laughs> once again, I don't, I don't know how to separate those two things. Me but I would, say, <laughs> I, I would say, you know, what I see in the future is one of the things that I'm really interested in doing is, you know, I see a huge opportunity through the money transfer space, the commissary space, um, and, you know, make it more affordable for people to send money. Because right now, people are spending like 35%. If you send 10 bucks, JPay is keeping $3.95 of it. So it's, it's just uh, it's just really wow. expensive. And, you know, I see that as an opportunity. And we're actually, you know, building and um, um, building prototypes for a product now that we think is going to be pretty disruptive and, and really make that easy so people can send. And basically, you know, their, their spare change, for lack of a better um, explanation, they can just share the change can just aggregate all those all that from your support network and you know if a guy can get you know 50 60 bucks a month every single month you know that that's that's that makes a big deal that's a big difference and then people on the outside can feel like they're doing their part they're supporting and they don't have to always get that annoying call hey man can you see me a hundred dollars hey can you see me a hundred dollars you know you can kind of just set it and forget it and know that you're supporting your loved one and you can get all your family and friends to do it and if we can make it cheap enough um, where those fees are, are almost nothing, then, you know, something like that could work. Absolutely. So as far as um, you personally, what's, uh, what's going on? You got family? No family, no family, no family yet. So, you know, I've, 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 you know, I've put, you know, my priorities have really been on what I'm trying to build and accomplish, and um, I haven't really 
you know, one of you know all the people who who I know, my friends and people around me who are married and have kids, they all give me the same advice of just wait and do it when you're ready. And right. Because I'm, I'm, because that I'm would get in your way sure. as an entrepreneur. Yeah. You got the you yeah. have the advantage so, right now of not having those. Right. Uh, so I'm trying to leverage that. I'm trying to leverage the time I have now. You know, before I have that, because I think you know the risk that you take and the things that you may be willing to do and things that you can stomach now when you're single. You you really don't have that that luxury to be able to stomach those same level of risk when you're not single. So yeah, I'm definitely trying to take advantage of it now. Yeah, if you had a if you had a woman right now, um, or a man in large case, whatever, you uh, would <laughs> you you would uh, it, what would happen is, and this is you know only only reasonable, she she or he would be constantly um, you know, feeling like you weren't giving her enough time. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly. just the way it works. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Frederick, I, I noticed that you laughed at that when you said it about me. That's it's not good. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's kind of the fall guy around here, you know. <laughs> so, hey, how we doing? All on what you got to say, man. Well, this has been real interesting and makes me uh, miss New York a bit, too, talking to you and hearing you all chat up and everything. And seems like uh, people keeping people connected is really a big part of a uh, good attitude as well. I think so. I think yeah. so too. I, th I think that Frederick's uh, just tapped into something. He, he had that intuition uh, in the beginning where they said, "Hey, man, there's something. There's an opportunity here," and that's what entrepreneurs do. Um, Fill the void. That's right. And you know, sometimes we do it just in our personal lives. You know, we design our lives. That's what we do. I learned that um, you design it for the good, design it for the bad, or you design it to be mediocre. Uh, but it's your choice. Uh, we we make it happen, and we have the power. Right. We choose. And if we if we start blaming, we start accusing, we start uh, you know crying about the system. Uh, all we do is take away our own power and give it to somebody else who doesn't even want it. So, right. So I know that Frederick's way beyond that, and uh, it's been really, really cool talking to you, brother. No, thank you for having me. It's been great. Hey, Frederick, I'd just like to say, you know, I'm proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Right on. So this has been. What has this been? Well, tell me. You know, another week. Another week with the Felony Inc. podcast, and I'm your host, Dave Dahl. And my co-host is Lad Justison. Hey, we'll see you again next week. And coming up after the break is Latino Founder Hour with your hosts, Edgar Navas and Claudia Cardenas. Their podcast is usually in Spanish, so que pasa. And before we uh, cut out, before we cut out, I want to record something that I should have said earlier. Uh, it's like this, okay. Thanks for joining us this week on Felony Inc. And I'm Dave Dahl. And my co-host is Lad Justison. And we have, this week, we have Frederick Pigeon of Pigeonly.com. Pigeonly uh, is a very cool, is a very cool idea that took place. It started in prison uh, to fill a need. And if you don't join us live, we may just visit your house late at night and make you listen. Breaking and entering my ass. This will be full-on breaking and listening. Good job, Dave. And thanks again, Frederick. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Take care, buddy. All right. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.